in the Gospels, it's quite rare for Jesus to give a parable and then immediately explain it right afterward. Uh, sort of as if Jesus is doing my job for me, which is kind of nice. I was joking with Father Nord, we could just repeat the second half of this Gospel as our homily and we could be done and just kind of phone it in for the week. But if only it were that simple. In addition to our Gospel, though, today, where we get this beautiful image of Jesus sowing the seed as a farmer, we get an additional image of a sower and seed in our first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, where God's Word is sort of uh, spoken of as gentle rain, nourishing the fields, giving fruit to those who sow and bread to those who eat. And, Isaiah, and our Lord says to Isaiah, My word shall not return to me void, but shall do my will, achieving the end for which I sent it. God's word comes back to him fruitful. He sows it on earth and it grows on earth and bears fruits for the kingdom. It achieves God's will and it achieves God's intended purpose. Yet in the gospel, in this very well-known parable, the sower and the seed, we see that the fruitfulness of the word does not have the best results. Think about it, that seed is sown in four different places, but it only grows in one. It's sown on the path, it's sown on the rocky ground, it's sown among thorns, and it is sown in rich soil. And it is only in the rich soil that that seed bears fruits. It's not a very high percentage. God's only batting one for four. So how do we reconcile this with the first reading, with what we heard from Isaiah when our Lord said, My word shall not return to me void, it shall do my will. Is the first reading just not true? Or was it somehow God's will the entire time to only have that rich soil be fruitful? Was it God's will that some of that seed should not grow? It's a very valid question. But I think it speaks to larger ones, too. Namely, does God will it when people fall away from Him? For those of us who have family or friends who no longer practice the faith, this is very real. It's something very, very tangible. At any time the seed fails to bear fruit or the Word doesn't find a place to grow, it's sad. It's very tragic, and especially when it's someone that we love and care about deeply, it can be very, very gut-wrenching, even. And when these things happen to us, we might say, Lord, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this soul to turn away from you? Is it really your will that this is happening? Is it really your will that the seed is not bearing fruits? On the other side of the coin, we might look at it maybe a little bit cynically, and say, well, why doesn't the sower just only sow in the good ground, right? It, the seed will just get wasted otherwise. But that doesn't seem to be the right answer either. So how are we to make sense of the fact that God's Word does not bear fruit in the hearts and minds of all? Well, it begins with this, brothers and sisters. God begins by giving every single soul that has ever lived what is called sufficient grace. Sufficient grace. And it is quite simply the amount of grace necessary to become a saint. Period. The amount of grace necessary to enter into heaven. The sufficient amount to get there. God gives this to each 
and every one of us. Again, sowing the seed everywhere, being rather indiscriminate, not just sowing among the rich ground, but sowing everywhere. And even might give some souls a little more than what is sufficient. You can think St. Therese of Lisieux, she, she had a lot. She had a lot of grace. But at the bare minimum, God gives everyone the grace necessary to become a saint, the grace necessary to get to heaven. What we make of that is up to us. We take it from there. God never saves us against our will, only when we cooperate with his grace. If we freely reject God, God will not stop us. God cannot force the soil to accept the seed that he is planting, nor can God force that little seedling to avoid the thorns that are about to choke it. And so God never wills the damnation of the damned. He only allows it because he respects our free will so much. Because a real relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, cannot be done by force or by coercion. Our Lord respects the freedom of all. He will never force faith on us or never force himself into our lives. He gives and then he awaits a response like a lover waiting on his beloved. Because real love and a real relationship cannot be forced. That's not love and that's not how God works. In God's almighty wisdom, his will is achieved when souls receive his word and it grows and it bears fruit for the kingdom on earth and in heaven. So we should I think, concentrate and reflect on how much God delights in rich soil, how much God delights in the times where his word finds a home in our hearts, how overjoyed our Lord is when souls freely cooperate with his promptings and with his grace. And again, the image of the sower and seed doesn't really express this very well, but even more so, how much does our Lord rejoice when a soul who has turned away, maybe even for quite some time, comes back to him, comes back to grace and comes back to life? When that soul puts to good use once again that sufficient grace that our Lord had given it by the, from the moment of baptism, when that soil becomes richer and fruitful again. This is possible, brothers and sisters, and it should give us hope for those in our lives who, who we desire to come back to the faith once again, for those in whom the word hasn't yet borne fruit. There is hope that conversion is possible. So today, brothers and sisters, let us pray for all of those who have fallen away, that the seed planted in their hearts might once again bear fruit. And for us in the parts of our lives that are not bearing fruit for the kingdom, let us heed the voice of Christ, the Good Shepherd, and begin once again to cooperate with his word planted in our hearts that we might bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold.